The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. Get comfy, but not too comfy, because we do have a bedtime around here. Uh, we have a little one now, so we can't stay up all hours of the night entertaining you, but we'll do our best. Um, we just wanted to get an episode out before the new year, because um, it seemed like time. So, Anna, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Now that the Christmas rush is over. Yeah, our little guy's in bed. He's tuckered out from all the swimming and presents he's been doing. Um, it's the day after Christmas when we're recording this to date yeah. the episode, 2019. You're probably hearing this around New Year's, so Happy New Year's. Hope you had a great Christmas or whatever it is you celebrate. If you don't celebrate anything, then I hope you had a fun day. <laughs> um, and, uh, our original idea, I'll just go and say was, uh, <laughs> you know, the original idea for the podcast was to basically focus on one game per episode, but I pretty much went off the rails on that right away. But we are going to get back to that next week, or next time. Um, I actually wanted to review Trains, which, despite the boring name, is a game I'm looking forward to covering. But instead, we've uh, got to play a lot of games with friends and family over the Christmas holiday season. Since we recorded last, a couple weeks ago, and I just thought it was worth... It's too much to add into a an episode where we cover a game, so I thought, let's just talk about all these games in bite-sized segments. I just thought that might be fun. Um, give you a little more idea of where we are as gamers, you know, where our tastes are, that kind of thing, instead of just covering one game. Um, so let's just hop into it with the two games, which we've not played yet, but you got me two games for Christmas, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to say flat out, you did a great job, because I'm incredibly hard to surprise. Thank you. I think you've said that many times. You've gotten very mad at me. Because I'm very specific with what I like, and oh, I you're just horrible. You you order. I'm horrible. You order pretty much when you get stuck on something and excited about something, you eventually get it, and you don't wait for Christmas or but or your birthday. But it's usually just because you find a good deal on it, <laughs> or you send it to me specifically and say, "Okay, this is what I want." And I I try to stick to that because I don't want to get you something. That you don't want, but it just makes it impossible to surprise you because I just I have really specific taste, and I'm fine. I'm really fine not getting anything. I always say that one of these days you're going to live up to that. But but if you're going to spend the money, you know it's like I think it's unfair to make you guess what I want because I have such specific taste. But long story short, I did the usual. Sent you several games that hey, if anybody wants to get me anything, here's some ideas. Right. But you still managed to surprise me. Well, the first game was not a surprise. Azul Stained Glass of Sintra was one of the ones I sent you. This is a sequel to one of the two games we've reviewed so far on the show, Azul. Uh, There's now three games in the series, including the Summer Pavilion game that just came out. But Stained Glass of Sintra is the second game in the series. 
and I've not played it yet, but I think it takes Azul and ups it a notch, but it's also a different feeling. It's one of those things where I think if you love Azul, which I'm pretty close to loving Azul for what it is, um, it's just one of those things I think it's going to be different enough. And plus it's gorgeous. It looks different than the original Azul, but it's yeah. gorgeous in its own way. The box is really pretty. It really is. It's a, it's a stained glass motif instead of the, the Azula tiles, the wall ceramic. Um, but I'm excited to play it. I think it's going to be a little bit beefier than the original, but not... It's still going to be a quick pick-up-and-play game, I'm sure. Um, I know some people do say the original Azul was truly best with two, whereas this one is still great with two, but it's maybe shines with three or, or oh, even okay. four. So that gives it a little bit of a different twist. Um, and the other game, though, you surprised me. I threw all kinds of names out to you, but you got me Last Wheel. Last Wheel by Vladimir Sushi in Czech Games Edition. It's a game I've mentioned to you before, and I, I didn't even think you'd remember that I mentioned it. And I was super excited when I opened it, totally unexpected. But Last Wheel, again, haven't played it, so I'm going to try to explain to you how it works. But I love the theme of this game. It's, it's the idea that there's a movie, Brewster's Million, which everybody references when they talk about this game, but I've not seen the movie. But basically, your rich relative has died and left a will. But the person who's going to get everything is the person who can spend a fortune the quickest. <laughs> like who can just waste money the quickest and go bankrupt. So it's the opposite of Monopoly. You're trying to blow your money. You're trying to buy properties high and sell them when they're worth nothing. You're taking your dog to the opera. I know there's a card in there that lets you do that. You're just mm. blowing money on extravagant meals. Um it's a funny thing, but it's wrapped around sort of a serious game. You know, a, a fairly meaty game from what I understand. I just really appreciate it when a board game, a serious board game, has a humorous theme and actually works. And I think it does. So I'm really looking forward to playing that. But we can't comment a lot because uh, we haven't played it. But let's it looks just... fun, though. I like the artwork. Yeah. The artwork's fun on the box. It's just very charming without being... It's not silly looking. It looks kind of serious, but it's a silly thing. I don't know. I just love that. Um, but I'll just get into some of the games we played. And I don't remember the orders these were all played in, but I know who we played them with. So I'm just going to start out with a game I played with Johnny. Johnny, who still refuses to be on the show. I don't know what his problem is. Um, Johnny, yeah. Johnny, Johnny. Hmm. What a disappointment he's become. I'm telling you. <laughs> but me and Johnny, uh, I went over there actually to record our other podcast, Retro Blist, cheap plug. Um, and we played a two-player game of Lahav, which I've mentioned a couple of times on this show. Um, and I think I mentioned the last game I played with you, I just felt so defeated after Lahav. Like, I just was such an idiot. <laughs> and I still love the game, but it's like, man, I was kind of discouraged a little bit. So I'm so glad... Um, that I took this game over and, and me and Johnny played it because it showed me two things about Lahav, which I'm not going to review it now because I do want to do a full episode on this game. Lahav is shockingly streamlined and easy to teach for what is a very crunchy, it's medium to medium heavy resource management Euro game. Um, it's 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 not a light game at all, but it's not bad to teach. I mean, Johnny would agree with that, I think. Um, it's just very surprising to me. 
it's just really elegant, elegantly designed that way. Like the game itself gives you basically all the information you need. Like it tells you what this goes here, what goes here. If you really pay attention, the components are so smartly designed. Um, I just had a great time. It was a tight game at the end. We were so into it that we were kind of helping each other at the end. Like I was really trying to help Johnny get his last turn as best as it could be. And then I won by just a few points. Dollars are points in this game, but I won by just a few dollars. And then afterwards I was thinking, did I give Johnny bad advice? Like I was really thinking through if I gave Johnny bad advice, you know, I think maybe I should just let him do what he wanted to do. He probably did. Um, but that's how I won by giving Johnny horrible advice. That's probably what happened. Yes. Um, that sounds like you. It's kind of like... <laughs> there goes self-deprecating humor again. <laughs> um, I was going to say it's kind of like, you know, when your family told you to go ahead and marry me, but they just were giving you terrible advice. I mean, just terrible. Terrible life decisions. <laughs> um, Hav, though, you weren't in this game. It was just me and Johnny, and you've only played it two-player with me. In yeah. fact, I've not played this three-player yet. Johnny said he really wants to play a three-player with you. What are your quick thoughts on the game so far? Um, the first time we played it was at the beach with your family. And Just the me first, and you played it, though. Yeah, yeah but it, yeah, we were the only ones who played it. It felt really heavy the first play, yeah. I guess, because there's so much to learn about the cards and the way the game plays. And it, 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 feels, it felt like a heavier weight game to me. Mm-hmm. But then the second time we played it, it just kind of came together a little bit more. I mean, and I, yeah. I won it a couple times, so I enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, I like, and I like a game that you know exactly, you know, you're a game where you are just know where you're getting your points and mm-hmm. you kind of keep track of it as you go. So it, I mean, it felt, it, again, it felt heavy. But it makes you work for it. Nothing yeah, comes easy in it. You really have to think your way through it. So it's not just a, I don't know that it's a great, like, feel-good game. Just, it's like, okay. I no, it feels It's heavy. like a dig-your-heels-in game. Like, sit down and be like, oh, yeah. okay, um, let's do this. Like, It, it does, it does <laughs> I hate to say this, it kind of feels like work, but a satisfying work. If work yeah. actually paid off in the end. Although, the one game we played, it didn't feel like it paid off. It felt like it fell apart on me, and that's why I felt defeated. But, I don't know, something just clicked this last time I played with Johnny, and I think from now on I'm going to love it. And the next time you play, I think it'll be your, what, third time playing? Mm-hmm. I think it'll do the same thing for you, and you'll be like, yeah, this is good. I mean, it's already good, but I think it'll really click. But we'll review that on a later episode. Need to not go any more about it. Um, I want to go and talk about uh, a couple of games we played with Ashley and Jason, who are our friends. Um, Ashley and Jason, ever since we started introducing these games to them, I think with Ticket to Ride was probably the first one. Mm-hmm. Ever since then, whenever we get together, we usually play at least one game. I mean, we're not necessarily... We're usually getting together to eat and play games, which to me is just yeah. ideal. We do a lot of eating and... Yes. The, so every once in a while, we'll watch a movie or something, but usually yeah, it's games yeah. and food. Yeah, we did try to watch a couple episodes of Mandalorian, um, but their internet wasn't having it. It, was, it took us two hours to watch a 33-minute episode. But we kept watching because of Baby Yoda. Yeah. It would pause, the screen would literally freeze, and we just got excited when it would freeze on Baby Yoda. It just... Yes, it was was Anna's first experience with that creature we're calling Baby Yoda. Well, mine too, really. And uh, maybe this is arrogant, but we both felt like he 
really reminded us of our our child. <laughs> like the way he just has that blank stare. <laughs> yeah, well, that may have been because it was the first time I left Miles alone for the whole day. So I was yeah. just missing him. But, yeah. We're <laughs> but sappy he is parents. really cute. He is really cute. Yeah, Baby Yoda and Miles are both very cute. I agree. And you have to call him Baby Yoda because... What else you actually had a had a point like those creatures have never been named. If we knew what to call them, we'd call them that. But yeah, what is a Yoda? I mean, right now Yoda's Yoda. It has to be Baby Yoda. That's all there is. So yeah, Mandalorian, good show, but we only played two games. I guess because of the Mandalorian, and because we spent a lot of time eating, so it was worthwhile. Yeah, but the first one we played was Ice Cool, and Ice Cool is like the polar pun intended. The polar opposite of Lahav. It's all goofy, just silly, fun. It's meant to make you feel good. It's the opposite of Lahav in that way. Ice Cool is a game that you can play with kids, with families. The box itself, what are those doll, dolls called? The Russian dolls that stack on each other? I don't guess it matters. Oh, I don't Like remember. you have a small one, then a bigger one, and a bigger yeah. one. Yeah. The box is made that way. So it's like a, it looks like a classic, like just Hasbro. dolls, I guess. I yeah. Yeah, like a a classic Hasbro or Milton Bradley game, rectangular game box. But inside are smaller boxes. And you just assemble this. It's it's supposed to be a high school for penguins. Um, That's high school. It's like a neat pun. But (laughs) you assemble this high school. And then the penguins are little plastic weeble wobbles. I don't know what else to call them. But you can flick them. And when you flick them dead on, they go mostly straight. But if you flick it on the right side, they'll go straight for a while. Then they'll start to turn to the right. And same thing. If you flick them on the left, they'll start to turn to the left. But they're not precise. They're weeble wobbling the whole time. And the idea is one person is the hall monitor. And they're trying to catch the other penguins. And the other penguins are trying to make it through these doorways to catch fish. So you're just trying to flick through doorways. And the other the hall monitor is trying to catch you. And you just get different points for fish. It's super simple. It's It's... It really is mostly a child's game, but I enjoy flicking games, and I really enjoy flicking games that are have a weird um, flicking thing. I don't know how else to put it. I don't know if it's like a ball bearing or what it is that makes these things wobble, but it's it's fun. So I don't usually like flicking games. Well, I don't know. I guess I guess there's just a couple that maybe were a little bit too serious because I don't. I think I liked Rampage. We played a lot of Crokinole for a while. Which is almost well, a different opposite of these games. Yeah, I'm thinking of like the Wild West themed one that we played for a while. Uh, Flick 'em up. Yeah. Yeah. Flick 'em up is cool, but I don't think we ever played it enough to really. There's a lot of rules to I'm it for saying, a flicking game. <laughs> I'm not saying it. I didn't enjoy yeah. it per se, but it just wasn't my favorite. Yeah. I think because anything that requires dexterity or aim or anything like that, I. I have mm-hmm. a mental block with it and think I'm just bad at it. But I, it's that's not necessarily true. Like with high school, um, it, I think because it was light enough and it doesn't take itself too seriously, it's just a really light, quick game. So it was fun. Like mm-hmm. the And it's a neat design, the way the boxes are set up and how you yeah. have to get through the doorways. And I had a really good turn as hall monitor. Yeah, she caught I everybody. Caught all three of you, which was pretty much pure luck but it was still fun and, and i think if it's if it becomes like a luck factor with the with a flicking game and it's a game that takes itself too seriously and drags on a little bit yeah maybe that's what makes me 
not like it as much. But I do like Rampage. It's, it's been a long time since we played that one. That has some, but that's yeah. not just flicking. That has a lot of other things yeah. in it, if I remember right. Well, by far, there's really no contest. My favorite fl- flicking game you've barely played, and I know you've not really enjoyed it the times you play it, but I think you could in the right setting, and that is Pitch Car. Pitch Car is a wooden track. It's like a slot car track, and you you build it any way you want to, like a puzzle. You build this wooden slot car track, basically. You put rails where you want them. You leave rails off to make it harder. There's jumps. Is that the one y'all built up on the pool table downstairs yeah. and made your own track yeah. for it? That game, when you get a group of people over who are just willing to have fun and not take it too seriously, is some of the most fun you can have on top of a table to me. Um, but the cool thing about but Pitch Car can easily run you hundreds of dollars if you want to get like all the expansions and make a huge track. The cool thing about Icicle is it's in a cardboard box. It costs about $30, and it's a legitimate flicking dexterity game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great deal for what it is. Um, It's not a typical board game, but it is a tabletop game. And there's an actual game to it. You're trying to, like, if you get the weaker fish that are only worth one point, you can turn in two of them and actually get a free turn. Mm -hmm. So it balances the luck factor. But the game... It's taken me longer to blabber about it than it actually takes to explain the game. But I recommend checking it out. Yeah, if, it's if, fun. Especially if you got some... It's a good family game. Well, we've not played it with kids. But I would say especially if you had some kids, I would check it out. Um, then, <laughs> we went from high school, well, to Mandalorian. And then, it was getting kind of late, and I wasn't sure if we should start something else. But we ended up playing Steampunk Rally. Steampunk Steam Rally. Steampunk Rally. Is a game from Roxley Games. It is a card drafting, engine building, dice placement racing game, which is a mouthful. But basically, steampunk as a steampunk thing and rally because it is a race, but it doesn't feel like a racing game. Your focus is not so much on the track. You can almost think of the track as just a victory point counter, a victory point track. Your focus is on your cards in front of you where you're making this wacky machine. Um, so if you've ever played like Seven Wonders or Sushi Go or any other drafting game, that's pretty much identical to those games. You have a hand of cards, you pick your favorite, pass the rest to your neighbor. You get a new hand of cards, pick your favorite, pass the rest. The interesting thing about Steampunk Rally is just how crazy your machine can get. Um, you're using dice to activate parts. The higher dice are better, usually, but they also are harder to get rid of, and they end up clogging up your machine. If you take too much damage, you actually lose parts of your machine. Uh, you actually have to remove cards. But it's also very forgiving in that you can rearrange things anytime you want to. There's way too much to explain about it. It's actually got a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot of elements to that game. Like, you get the, the racing part of it, then you get the cards um, and the card drafting. Mm-hmm. And then you get to roll dice or die. Mm-hmm. Dice, yeah, plural. Okay, you get to roll <laughs> dice. Thank you. And so it has a lot of different elements to it. And maybe that's why it can feel convoluted sometimes. But it's not. I mean, it's no. not a, It's not that way, but it just feels that way a little bit when, you, when you're when you the one teaching it and mm-hmm. trying to explain it. <laughs> this game could be its own discussion. And, and it really intrigues me because I know how to play it now. Like, I get it. Um, me and you played a two-player game, super smooth game, works so well. 
I was just going to say that. It's a great game. I really like yeah, it. Yeah, we like it. And you get to play as an inventor. Like it, your machine yeah, is history. based around Thomas Edison or the Wright Brothers or Marie Curie. There's a ton to choose from. And they all are very thematic in the way their machine starts out. Mm-hmm. I think that's a cool part of the game. Yeah, like the Wright Brothers. You start out looking more or less like the... the can't remember what it's called, but the biplane that looks like it's made out of paper, basically. Right. Um, but the thing about this game is it's a smooth game and it works well and all the parts work well together. But I just about had a breakdown trying to teach this game to our friends who have both played the game before, but it's been like a year. And well, in it's a been year, more than that. It's probably been more than a year. You, I mean, you forget everything in that time. But I just reread through the rules and it was coming back to me like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking in my head, this isn't so bad. I think we can do this tonight. But there are a couple of little things in this game that really make sense. And I think the rules do a pretty good job of explaining it. But I cannot find a good way to explain some of the concepts in this game so that everyone at the table understands them. Um... And if you played this game before, I won't go into a lot of detail, but you'll you'll sympathize with this. It's the fact that whenever you take an action, in other words, whenever you place the dice on your little engine, you have to take the action right then and then leave the dice and forget it and move on. But what people try to do is they try to place all their dice and then go through and remember which actions they've done and which actions they haven't done. And it's an absolute disaster if you do that. Um, and I saw both Ashley and Jason doing that. And I tried to bring it up because I knew they were just making it way harder on themselves. But I don't know what it is about this game. And I've had other people do the same thing. Like some people get it. Like, oh yeah, no problem. And some people, it's like, I'm just, I can't find a way to explain it. And it has nothing to do with people who can or can't understand games. It's just something about this There's game. There's also some different kind of math involved, like dividing into the pips on the dice. And that is just natural to me, and I probably don't think about that enough. That, to me, is what makes it... And it's not hard. Like, the second... I, I did have to ask you a question a few yeah. times. I had to get some clarification when we replayed it. And I had played it before as well, but... And then when we played it together after that, it was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Said, you know... When we played it through a second time at home. <laughs> I'm so glad we played it that second time because it was such a slog that I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to play this game again. Then we played it, it's like, it was 25 minutes but and it was over and it was smooth. I think any time that you're not just taking your pips at face value and you can decrease them or increase them or you have to divide into them. Yeah. Like with multiple dice, I think that just throws people off because it's just yeah. not something that, it, and it works well in the game. It's a neat part of it. To be fair, it, Stone Age does the exact same thing, but Stone Age doesn't have near as much going on. Right. Like in Stone Age, which is a great game we need to cover. We need to cover about a million games. Like you might, if you're rolling for gold, you have to divide by six. So if you roll like a total of 14 on all your dice, you're not going to get very much. But the dice goes away and you pass it to the next person when you're done. It's not like it's dice in your area yeah. on your machine that you're trying to use you're and proving my, and, Yeah. You're proving my point though. None of the other, and this is why I said it to us blue in the face and it never worked. And right, right now you're proving my point. The other dice don't matter. Ignore them for now. They're just stones in your way. They don't do anything. It's the dice in your hand right now that as you place them, you do have to do that mental math. You place them and then they're done. They don't do anything else. Mm-hmm. 
I'm thinking maybe from now on, I'll teach the game that you can't place the dice. You have to look at them in your hand and do the action. Then you just put them on there without changing the number. I don't know. Anyways, I would love to know. Comment on our Facebook at Cardboard Cave, Instagram at Cardboard Cave. If you've played Steampunk Rally, especially if you've taught it, I would love to know your experience. I mean, because that's happened with multiple players, I do have to say it makes me less excited to teach this game to new people. The fact that it plays up to seven is awesome, but I will never teach this to like five new people at a time. That's insanity. But it's a really cool game, and I would love to do it as a feature game sometime. It's, it is a really cool game, and I do recommend it. If, you've, if you're a gamer who's played a few games, you can totally handle it. Anyways, that was really all we played with with uh, Ashley and Jason. But continuing our holiday extravaganza, we had uh, a group of five of us over. It was me and you and Kelby, who were now um, contractually obligated to mention on every episode. Yeah. Um, who's your sister? I think we mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. And also our friends Emily and Kevin, and we played um, just one game that night. But it's a game that I don't want to talk a ton about because I'm 100% sure I want this to be a feature game soon. It's Raccoon Tycoon, um, which is a great name. Raccoon Tycoon is a game that I think is going to appeal to people who love like Monopoly and games that just involve money and economics. But for me as a gamer, it's just so much better than you know some of those old classic games that involve money. Um Briefly, it's a game about, I guess, this makes it sound super boring, but commodity, 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 cool. It's about commodes, you know, you got to flush commodes, you got to, you know, use good toilet paper. No, but it's about commodity speculation. In other words, you want to get the goods and then you want to sell them when they're worth a lot of money. And then you're using that money to win auctions for railroads, which really it all comes down to collecting cards by turning in, either turning in the right goods or by paying the right amount of money in the auction. But it just comes, it's such a cute theme, you know, beautiful artwork, but it's just such a tight game um, that just, I see our game, I think I wrote down that it took about two hours with five of us, but I don't think anybody was really ready for it to end. It just, it just, the turns are so quick and you're invested the whole time. I'm very impressed with this game. Uh, what do you think? I'll, I'll shut up about it. I think it took so long that first time, though, because you guys had to wait on me. I had to go. Well, yes. With, there was a lot of stopping and starting. And we were it all new to the game. With, when we played again with Johnny later. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah I, we played this five-player and three-player with Johnny as well. I really liked it. And when... Um, I just sound like I don't like anything this episode. What, but... Anytime you say bidding with a game, I kind of am like, oh, no. Well, it's a good point about the game, though. Huh? What you're about to say, it's a good, it's a positive thing about this game. Oh, yeah, because I actually just got into the bidding part of it, and it was fun, and it's not, I don't don't know what makes it different from other games where you have to bid. Well, for one thing, it's not the whole game. Yeah. Like the railroads are a huge part of the game. They're basically a set collection. You're trying to collect sets of cards that have these cute animal railroads on them. Um, I say cute, but it's like cute in a bizarre, like Victorian England kind of way. Well, it's it's beautiful artwork. And yeah. You've got all these little 
it, these little animals dressed up in Victorian era hats and it's very like mm-hmm. Beatrice Potter or Brian Jacks. That's what it makes me think of. And it's clever because the auctions, you don't have to win the most auctions to win the game. But if somebody keeps winning auctions, they're probably going to be broke. And then when the card comes out that you want, you might get it for a song because they, the opponents bid too much on another card. Um, but if you're not able to get what you want with money, you might can just trade in tokens and get the, they're called towns. Um, and then you got the building tiles that really add a wrinkle that something like Monopoly simply doesn't have. These building tiles give you special abilities that are just for you. Like your hand size might increase. You might get to collect more goods when you go to do that than other people do. Uh, when you go to sell, you might be able to sell two types of goods where everybody else can only sell one. Um, well, you know, yeah. I think probably too when we when we initially started playing games together. I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, six or seven years isn't the longest time to have been playing games. Maybe it's just that I don't mind being a little bit more cutthroat now, but not cut, cutthroat's not the right word. Like, I just don't mind doing what's best for me mm-hmm. in the in the interest of the game and having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I used to be worried about hurting people's feelings or bidding higher or taking something away from people when it came to like an auction or bidding and mm-hmm. maybe now I just don't mind that as much, you know, I just have, I mean, it might depend yeah. on who we play with too, but I, I don't mind that as much as I used to. Yeah. I think that's, I don't think that's becoming a meaner person. I think this is part of growing as a gamer and taking the games maybe more seriously. Yeah. Um, because like in Raccoon Tycoon, now I can't stand I talk about talk, but I don't like to be mean in games. I like for people to get what they want, but I'm still playing to win. So I can't stand it in games where you're just flat out, oh, I'm going to play this card and it's bad for you. It's going to hurt you. And I'm picking to hurt you because I want to. Whereas in Raccoon Tycoon, you can be pretty cutthroat. It really can. It's called Tycoon for a reason. But if I just build like a madman on this card that I know you really want, it's coming at a cost to me. Because I'm the one that has to pay for it, and you're still going to have all your money. So then when the card I want comes out, you might be able to win it. Like, I don't feel like you're ever just shut out of winning the game, because if somebody's got a ton of money, then they had to forgo other things to get that ton of money. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's, a, I think it's a lovely little game. I don't know what other oh, word to use I for it. I do too. It is lovely. That's a great word. Um, and it's a Barnes & Noble exclusive. You can, you can find it online, but as far as like in-stores... And that's actually really cool, like that we're to a point that these good games, that these stores, these chain stores want their this game as an exclusive. Target's really big about that, and even Walmart started doing it, which I have mixed feelings about that, but it's also kind of cool that this little hobby has grown to that point. Um, but yeah, it's it's worth every penny. I think it retails for $39.99. Beautiful components. Um, I highly recommend Raccoon Tycoon, and I think I can recommend this game to newer gamers, if you just if you game with your family or people who grew up playing Monopoly or any kind of money based game, I think they're going to get into this pretty quick. I really do. Like I was surprised how quick people get into this game. Um, but we'll save further detail because I really want to cover that as a full episode. You said they had it at Barnes and Noble. That's actually where I got it. It actually has a sticker on the front that says Barnes and Noble exclusive. 
So I think that just means like you can't walk into another store and get it. Now you can still order it online. Like that's a different thing. Um, well, when you finally decide but, you're tired of me, I'm moving to Barnes and Noble. I'm just taking a sleeping bag. They've upped their game. Uh, they're up their game on board games. They've got some good ones now. Um, and I'm really glad I took a chance on this one because um, I wasn't sure it'd go over well, but it really has. Which we actually now have a. I wish we had a gaming store in Morgan, it, it closer to where we live. Yeah. But we do have a little independent book store now, which is cool. I'm not ta- when I say I love Barnes and Noble, I don't want to take away from yeah sweet little independent spots well, too because I love that. But Barnes and Noble, unfortunately, is about the closest thing we have to a local game store. Right. Uh, which is a shame. For now, for now yeah. I, I mean, I thought like it could change, uh, but for now, it is what it is. Um. So yeah, then, um, oh, well, we played with Johnny, he didn't mention this, we played so many games since our last recording, but that's really all we're talking about this episode, not trying to wear anybody out. Um, we'll make the next two pretty quick, because I know for sure these are both going to be feature episodes in the future. Uh, Trains, in fact, I'm pretty sure it's going to be our next episode. Trains has a boring name, but long story short, uh, me and you played this game Probably for a couple of years now. I think it's been at least maybe a few years. Not as often as I would like, but as a two-player game, we played it a lot. Um, and then we just played it with Johnny the other day as a three-player game. And then we played it with my brother and sister-in-law as a four-player game. Mm-hmm. And I just love this game every time we play it, which I guess is a big spoiler. <laughs> uh, so you just know it's going to be all love in our next episode. But I'll explain more about it then, but long story short, it's a deck-building game. Very much like Dominion, but with the added strategy of a route building board game, train game. And the name is boring, trains, but it's a perfect name for it. Um, I don't think I'm going to talk anymore about it. You, you have anything to say about it? Because I want to do a full episode on it. Yeah, let's just do an episode on it. So look forward to that. Um, Quacks of Quedlinburg, which we've talked about in our last episode when we talked about Luckin Games. Yeah. Um, Johnny got to play it for the first time. And I still haven't played this as a four-player game. We played it as two and three. Yep. Yeah, Johnny loved it. Um, He won his first game, killed my winning streak. Um, I made a point, I think, to you and Kelby that I won five out of seven total games that I played up to that point. So I said, how can it be all luck? (laughs) (laughs) And then Johnny beat me on his first game. So there you go. Uh, so I'm now five for eight, but it doesn't look too good when he beat me his first try. <laughs> um, it does have a lot of luck. And when you're on the end of feeling like you're not having good luck, it feels like it has more luck. <laughs> um, when you're on the end of things working out, it doesn't feel like as much luck. Yeah. You're like, Ooh, I just built my bag up really yes. well. But I still think it's a lovely game. <laughs> I use that word again. It really just, it's, uh, it's got the right ingredients. Man, I'm using all kinds well, of puns. Well, he was also, I think we made this point in the last podcast, but he was saying how it's a game he thought his mom would enjoy, who's yeah. not a gamer, but mm-hmm. you know, or plays games often. But it really does feel like a game that you could introduce people to. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know, quite a gateway game, but pretty close. I mean, it's pretty close. Yeah. It just. But it's got enough variety in there for a gamer because the. Books you use, the potions, change the game a lot. Well, but to me, a gateway game isn't 
so simple that a gamer can't enjoy it. Right, yeah, because that's the point. It's a real game. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's just kind of... Like, for me, that was Ticket to Ride. And it was the first yeah. game that I enjoyed because there were actually decisions in it. And it was like, oh, but but it's simple enough to... Yeah. It feels more traditional. And I guess Quacks of Quinlanburg feels... It feels like something you've done before, but it's also unlike anything you've ever done before. Yeah. So it it just has that good feel to it. You're pushing your luck and playing against the odds. I think that's what feels familiar. Mm-hmm. But the actual gameplay feels pretty fresh, too. Um, yeah, I don't think we need to say a lot about it, because I think it'll probably be a full episode, but I still really like the game. Like I think it's one of those games that the depth is limited, but I think the depth is more than enough for what it asks of you. Because it just asks you to have a good time, really. Like, you don't have to put a lot of thought into it if you don't want to. But again, those books that you can change out that actually change what the potions do or the ingredient tokens do, mm-hmm. we've not even played with all of them. But just going from book one to book two, oh, there's, there's a fair... More, there's more there's than four book books. One? And you oh, can mix them and that. match them if you want to. But if you just want to play strictly, like, where they go well together, there's four books in the box, not counting the expansion that's come out now. Um, oh. So we've only played one and two. Okay. Three and four, look, they get they go up in complexity. Um, like, I don't know, I'm tr- just trying to think of a quick example. In the in the first set of ingredients, the um, red mushroom. Mushroom ingredient just lets you move forward on the track based on how many pumpkins you have. But in the second book, that same ingredient asks you to set that ingredient aside and decide when you want to spend it. So it's increasing the strategy. It's increasing what you have to think about. It's a little more subtle than the original ingredient. And that's one of the simplest ones. There's more complex. But yeah, it's it's a fun game. Um, it's exciting. It won the Kinderspiel, which is a huge German board game award. Um, it was so hard to find at first because people just excited about it um and I, th- I think it's deserving like it's not the deepest game in the world but it's it's fun and it doesn't feel quite like anything else and it's just um yeah it's a blast but i think that's about oh no it's not maybe save the best for last um the last game we played and this was just i don't know a couple days ago a few days ago mm-hmm. i guess we played a six-player game, which, just in general, right there, six-player game of anything can be tricky. We played a six-player game of Asking for Troubles. And I'm going to spell that because I think you should look for this game if you're listening to this podcast. It's Asking for Troubles, and that's T-R-O-B-I-L-S. I guess it's spelled like Troubles. T-R-O-B-I-L-S. It's very much a spin on the Star Trek episode, Trouble with Tribbles. Mm-hmm. There's your first check. Yes. The do you want to do you want to explain this game the thing stuff or you? I feel like I'm doing all the talking. I mean, well, I don't mind doing it. But. You're you're better at the. I don't. Okay, I can, I'll just I let can you give, give it a shot. Just so y'all know, Trevor does all of the the game rule reading and the teaching and the all of, of the above, which the is why sometimes I just sit here and and let him go because he's much better at. And explaining all that. Let me just explain how it works, and then I'll let you do all the thoughts. <laughs> I, I wouldn't give my thoughts. <laughs> okay. All right? No? 
Yeah, that's yes. fine. Sure. Maybe. Um, Asking for Troubles <laughs> is sci-fi themed based on actually a lot of different science fiction stuff. But at the end of the day, it is a worker placement game where you have just one worker at a time and your only two options, and I mean only two options on a turn, are to put one worker out, which is a cool 3D spaceship, a plastic spaceship, miniature, there's the word. You put out your spaceship miniature and do the action of the space you went on, or you call back all of your spaceships and have them to use later. That's it. One or the other, that's the whole turn. The unique thing about this game, really, is the fact that it truly, legitimately plays two to seven players. I don't know of another worker placement game that legitimately plays two to seven players and works. But because the turns are so Mm bite-sized and there's a fair bit of interaction, it truly works with two to seven players. I played it... I know of... Well... I know I played it with six and with five, but I truly believe it would work with two and three players as well. But that's it. What are your thoughts about it? Well, spinning off what you just said, I think we, we've said before on this podcast that we really look for games that are solid games, but that play more players because we just tend to end up, we end up playing with two or three or it bumps way up to six to eight players like we we just tend to sometimes have bigger groups of people that want to play a fun game that maybe is not a party game actually people that we know in my like in our our families and at church or just in general they call them trevor games now because (laughs) (laughs) um you know they're more than party games or what they're used to but Anyway, long story short, this game nails it with with being able to to play with with several players, like Trevor said. Um, it is sci-fi themed with the ships that you can recognize from um, favorite sci-fi shows or movies. It's all orange and blue, which I think is great. The little trebles eat carrots and space slugs and um so it's just a really fun theme if you're like us and Hmm. like things like that at all um there's one ship that's based on the serenity from firefly Hmm. and one that is looks like the enterprise and of course they're not that exactly but and i think the designer commented on instagram and told us what the name's what the names of the ships are. I just commented that I like that the designs of the ships are clearly inspired by, but legally different from all these sci-fi properties. And he listed out the names. He didn't give me the sci-fi properties, but he gave me the names of all the ships. And one of them was just designed by his brother. It's not based on anything, but all the others are based on something. Which is really cool. But the, the serenity is uh, called the glow worm. Which yeah. I thought was great. Cause you know, it's based on firefly. Yeah. But, um, the board itself is great. It kind of makes you feel like you're in space, just flying yeah. around from planet to planet. It's a circle. Yeah, it's in a circle, and it's just um, all these little spots, these little different planets that you get to visit with your ship. And you, you're basically just collecting these troubles and trying to, 
to rid Planet Paradise of the Troubles. And, um... So you're trying to capture them. And right. if you want extra money, you throw them in the sun. Yeah. So it's kind of a brutal thing, but it's so cute you don't care. <laughs> yeah, it it's... It looks great. It feels great to play. Everyone we played it with really likes it. That was most impressive to me. We played a six-player game and then a five-player game. And we were the same in both groups. Well, that's, that's still like nine or ten different people. Mm-hmm. And everybody... Uh, everybody at least liked it if not loved it mm-hmm. so that just that's a home a home run to me the only other game i can think of that's even close to the same depth that legitimately plays with a smaller group or up to seven is seven wonders yeah that's right. seven wonders plays Amazing. three to seven beautifully uh this i think this legitimately plays two to seven um i, I want to play it two player with you i think there's no reason it wouldn't work uh because you have more ships You'll do less bumping, uh, you know, bumping people out of the way. But I, th- I think it still be a lot of fun. Yeah. The turns will go so quick that I think it would make up for the fact that there may be less interaction. And you get to um, you get to go into the black hole and get more ships. Um, depending on how many players you have, you can have yeah. more ships. But you still only get to do one thing at a time on your turn. Right. So it's so it's so quick and fun. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like it just feels like you're flying around in space and yeah I, I think that's cool and uh i know our six player game it lasted about 90 minutes but again i think everybody was panicking that it was going to end sooner than they thought it would like it was not a long 90 minutes and that's with six players a first game for five of the six people mm-hmm. everybody besides me had never played it before um including rules teaching everything about 90 minutes and um, I, I thought I was going to win it. My brother won by like three points because the game dragged on a couple extra turns at the end and he was racking up a couple points per turn. Me and him were kind of in a race to just earn a couple of points at the end and you and a couple others were trying to get the last trouble and actually get the bigger points. Right. But I, I underestimated, overestimated how long it would take, I guess, to get that card. And so I just gave up on it. Anyways, long story short, it was just a really cool ending it's a cool experience um yeah i think it's a great because a Derek great game that feels a really a big pile of carrots yeah he won with he a pile kept, of carrots because <laughs> you aren't earn points on resources there's bonuses at the end and he just had yep. this huge pile of carrots i, I love how funny. streamlined it is as far as how you can win you basically just win by catching the tribbles those are the victory points and then your leftover resources at the end will probably be worth extra points. He banked on that. Like you said, he had a mountain of carrots and had so many bonus points from just carrots that he pulled out a victory. Yeah, it makes me want to pull out that episode of Star Trek and watch it. Oh, yeah, it's a great episode. Now, speaking of tribbles, our little tribble is sound asleep, so we should take advantage of that and watch an episode of The Mandalorian probably. Oh, yeah. That's what's happening next. Sorry this episode was kind of rambling, but we just obviously played so many games, which is awesome, since our last recording that, um, I don't know, I just wanted to talk about them before we forgot. (laughs) So We're also working on a better, on a, well, not a better, but a rating system that works for both of us. Yeah, it's been trickier than I thought. Um, I've come off, just to let you know where we are with that, I've come off the whole 10 point scale. I actually don't think I like it for board games. Because I kind of ended up stuck 
with Azul and Wingspan giving them the same score. But I feel like I don't like them the same. It depends on the day of the week even, you know. So we're working on that. Um, and we're going to record, I think, our episode on trains next. So we'll have it figured out by then. Or it'll derail one or the other. <laughs> but for now, yep. we're going to go watch some Baby Yoda. Yep. So remember uh, to pick your coat up on the way out. Put your shoes back on. Um, don't don't leave with any drink coasters or, or pillows or anything. We need those. Um, they just walk away sometimes. I don't know what it is. Just because we live in a cave, people think they can walk away with our stuff. But we're hospitable, but this is our cave. We like to keep our things in it. Um, and uh, welcome back next time. Bye. Bye, y'all.